and welcome to Lunar Magic Tea Time, where we discuss all things magical, mystical, metaphysical, and sometimes even a little mundane. I'm Kristen. And I'm Nancy. And this will be our Ostara Myth episode. But before we get too deeply into that, I'd like to remind you to go ahead and find us on Facebook at Lunar Magic Tea Time. There's a Facebook group you can join where we've been working really hard to be a little more active. You can find our website at LunarMagicTeaTime.com. Our email address is Lunar at LunarMagicTeaTime.com. We are on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And... You can listen to this podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts. Just remember to look up the Lunar Magic Tea Time podcast. So for, as we've said, for the last several Sabbat episodes, this year we're really focusing on the myth and the meaning behind the Sabbats. And so for Ostara... This is that episode. And it, and we'll have a little bit about what we did at the end of the episode, what we did for Ostara, since we're actually a little behind as far as recording times go. And that will be an interesting little discussion as well. <laughs> so stay tuned till the end. In America, certainly there's a lot of crossover themes in the myths around Ostara and Easter. They kind of meld together and blend together. Um, certainly the largest of those ideas is the idea of death and resurrection. And that's really easy to get a lot of those myths and get why we have them this time of year. We're just coming out of or starting to come out of the, that deep, dark winter. February is, at least for me, February is kind of like deep winter, Yeah. right? It's colder, it's nastier, or something about it just feels more, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> well, I feel like Oregon has kind of weird seasons compared to when I grew up in New York. Probably. But even when I grew up on the other side of the mountains in Oregon, like we would have snow. We had, we would have snow on my birthday. Yeah. And my birthday is at the end of May. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> but February is kind of like, to me, the deepest, darkest yeah. depths of winter and come Ostara, which happens March 21st and Easter, which is a floating holiday, by then we're seeing crocuses and we're seeing the signs of life and we're seeing the the earth start to melt and warm up and become and giving us the hope for the future. You know, but by by Ostara and Easter, most of the livestock has had their babies. And it's also equal daylight and night. Mm-hmm. It is an equinox, yes. yes. Which I always forget. I don't know why. Because <laughs> I'm the worst witch. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to do the egg thing, and then I forget. Oh. will stand straight up on the equinoxes. Oh, yeah. You've done that? No. Yeah, I've never cool. done that. <gasps> that would be fun. We can do that. In the fall. In the fall. Yep. If we remember, which we already know we won't. <laughs> <laughs> put, it, put it in the phone. That's how I remember everything. Or I, I can't say it, but the A-L-E-X-A. <laughs> I was going to say, why are, oh yeah, because it will go off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do have a speaker out here. She's always listening. Great. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so in researching this, these myths and these, I was focused primarily on death and resurrection or a reborn deity, those kinds of 
things were the things I was putting in the search engine. And a lot of cultures have these myths. And naturally, what I discovered is that these myths tend to have a lot more importance in cultures that experience long nights, or periods uh, like winter droughts, specifically like very, very dry, not a lot is growing. Yeah, more agricultural. Mm -hmm. Your whole survival was based on Mm -hmm. planting and harvesting and keeping for the winter. and And then when you have that fallow time, where nothing's really growing because of the weather and the short sun, or even if you're at the equator for whatever reason, if the, so that was just a really interesting thing. And I noticed that a lot of the more true equatorial places didn't really have them with this much weight and importance. They have them. Yeah. I, I couldn't really find anywhere that didn't have a death and resurrection concept, Yeah, but the amount of, of importance that they were given varied. And the first myth is quite is the myth of Osiris. In the myth of Osiris, not only do we see Set killing his brother, but we see Isis going into the li- going literally scouring the earth, all of it, to find all of the pieces of Osiris so she can bring him back to life. So this makes Osiris both a deity of fertility because his blood gave life to um but also of death because he guarded death when he came back Hmm. or when he was resurrected um you know just your basic cycles of life (laughs) the next one we're gonna talk about this one's a little gonna get into a little deeper because i hadn't really heard this one sybil and addis what is extra interesting about Addis is that there are an awful lot of versions of this myth. They vary, but they also don't. It's very interesting to see. Um, the resurrection part of the myth doesn't really appear until after Christianity had taken decent root. So Sybil turned down Zeus. But Zeus being Zeus, and listen, I had a conversation with Shorty earlier today about Zeus, and we had some opinions. But Zeus being Zeus still managed somehow to impregnate her, obviously, because Zeus. And this pregnancy resulted in a, quote, demon, end quote, of both sexes. That is what the myth says. Okay. Okay. We don't shame anybody here, though. So So Sybil cut off the child's male genitalia, and from that sprang the almond tree. Next, the deity Nana ate the nuts from the tree and became pregnant with Addis. So Sybil is his grandmother, mm-hmm. technically, and then Nana is his mother. So when his grandmother Sybil saw Addis, she fell in love. And he was unaware, and he fell in love with another. Sybil, being a terrible grandparent, opted to drive him mad and through his madness he castrated himself and the first violets sprung from his blood there's a lot of castration going on here um there's a lot of that and yes and all our male viewers are going (gasps) yeah well and honestly i don't blame them because honestly (laughs) honestly no one who's getting hurt deserved it yeah really (laughs) No one here earned that punishment. (laughs) But we do see a tie here, especially since we're talking about the the myth of Addis kind of taking root in the cultural 
zeitgeist, if you will, after Christianity has taken place. So it makes sense that we're going to try to tie that, tie the blood in because the blood of Christ, all of that. I don't know. I like looking for patterns. Um, Another, what's important to note is that this myth varies depending on if it's told in a Greek cycle or a Roman cycle. And it changes again after the coming of Christianity. But we still see a form of fertility rite in the context of a sacrifice, which we can tie to the Christian season of Lent, because Lent, you are supposed to give up something. And I I literally had a conversation with a friend about this because they were like, they're not necessarily a practicing Christian now, but it's very important for them to do the act of Lent. Hmm. And um, I said, you know, I was raised by a minister. And for us, Lent was never... I'm giving up sugar or I'm giving up TV. Lent was always, I am doing an act to bring me closer to my spirituality. Oh, that's kind of cool. So for us, it was frequently 40 days of nightly prayer or 40 days of dinners together where we talked about things in the book, something like that, Mm -hmm. where it was an act of, it wasn't a giving up. It was an action to deepen spirituality. That's what our Lent was. You know, it can be the sacrifice of something to create a more fertile rela- relationship with uh, your with whatever your deity is or your holiness or whatever. I'm not going to judge you. And this next one is one of my favorites. It's Persephone and Demeter and Hades. Persephone, daughter of Demeter, who D- Demeter is the goddess of crops and fertility, and she brings Persephone along with that. And Persephone is also the wife of Hades, the god of the realm of spirits. Now, not necessarily the god of the dead, but he guards and maintains the underworld or where the spirits go. Okay. Or where some of the spirits go. It's very specific. Some of the spirits. Persephone herself is really, to me, a very liminal deity because she spends half of her time here and half of her time in the underworld or other world. And she bridges the space between living, growing, and birthing, and then decaying, dying, and rebirth. So to me, Persephone is kind of the ultimate birth, rebirth, fertility deity. And the myth of Persephone also to me is, and demeanor, is love is about love of both the sense of family mm-hmm. because Demeter stopped allowing food to be produced while she hunted mm. for Persephone. So Persephone is minding her own business. Haiti comes up to have a chat up on Olympus with Zeus and on his way back to the underworld, he sees Persephone. He's taken by her beauty and he kidnaps her. But the kidnapping is really more like, Hey baby, Come back to my place. And she went, I mean, you're kind of cute. Sure, why not? <laughs> like there's, you know. Yeah. And True. on her way down, she eats six pomegranate seeds. And that's it. That's all she eats. But it's effectively, it's fairy food. It's the food of the gods. It's the food of under realm. And so while she is missing, while she is in the underworld, hanging out with Hades, having a good time, like I haven't seen a myth yet or telling of the myth that says she was miserable being there, Mm -hmm. but she is in the above world. Demeter is 
broken. She doesn't know where her da- her daughter just ran off. She doesn't know who with whom. She doesn't know anything. She is desperate to find her daughter. So she stops allowing crops to be produced. There is nothing. The humans are starving and they beseech her. And finally, the other deities step in and they say, okay, well, we'll help you find her. We think she's with Hades. We'll go down there. And Hades says, yeah, but she's eaten of the food of the underworld, which means she can't return. Mm. And when they determine that she'd only eaten the six seeds, that's the six months. So she spends six months here and six months there. It's And then everybody gets along. Except probably not because they're Greek gods, but whatever. That's a different story. (laughs) Okay. And Adonis. There are two versions of the Adonis myth that kind of really fit into this conversation. Um, The first, in the first, two goddesses, Aphrodite and Persephone, fight for the affection of an infant Adonis. Zeus decides the child shall spend half of the year with Aphrodite and half of the year with Persephone. In this so it's it's the King Solomon cut the baby in half, only Zeus, at least this time, decided to let the baby live, just have two moms. And in the second myth, uh, Adonis dies of a boar attack, and Aphrodite honors this loss with a flower. Taking both of these myths, we can apply Adonis to the dying and rising god theme. But also, I think he represents the cyclical nature of time and our lives. And finally, we can talk about shamanic rituals and stories and when i'm when i talk about shamanic rituals and stories i'm specifically referring to the con the the celtic concepts because that's where i've studied um i've studied quite a bit of celtic shamanism um so that's where this basis is coming from just so we're clear it's celtic based shamanism um there is there are specific meditations when um either working with a shaman or working kind of, I don't want to call myself one because that's not a thing that's appropriate, but I worked with one and that was, this is the meditation that they've given me to do yeah. is um, w- it's one where you basically you go to the underworld and you sit in a cave deep in the underworld and whatever happens happens kind of a thing hmm. because it's different for everybody for me like shadow self kind of thing, kind of i mean for me i found i found one of my guide animals hmm. um and in another when i have done it so I, I found one of my guide animals um when i've done it in the past i've had full-on conversations with ancestors hmm. you know things like it's going to vary meditation to meditation it's going to vary person to person the the point is that you're going into the underworld to find really kind of your true self because when we die right we're no longer putting on the masks that we put on for society so we kind of when we do this meditation we kind of engage in the act of dying in a yeah well i had the word and then i lost the word not allegorical hmm Maybe is not the right word either. Oh, I hate when my brain does that. Um, But we we die. We allow ourselves to, quote, die. And then we live a time in the underworld. And then we come back. And we come back with the wisdom um, that we gained in the underworld. Right? And that's all in a meditation that is shockingly easy to do 
and to visualize and then equally very difficult to come back from and <laughs> those who ask <laughs> don't do that in meditation i it's yes it's it was a very it was a trip yeah. like it was a lot um and I do, lastly, I just kind of want to point out that at least two of these two of the myths had the masculine deity being um, resurrected by the feminine deity. So Inanna um, and, oh, I forgot. Yeah, and then Osiris and Isis. Um, so that's just kind of, you know, I think a lot of, I feel like a lot of what Christianity has lost is its connection to the feminine and there's not that unity. Yeah. You see that in all kinds of the metaphysical yeah. where the patriarchal. Mm-hmm. That's when the shit started. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, absolutely. So those are kind of, so moving from Astara you know, be thinking about dying and, and resurrecting and thinking about letting go the things that aren't of this season, but they might be of the next season or they might be of the next year or, you know. Yeah. Not of service to you right now. Yes, exactly. Not of service to you right now, but things that you will need. Because we one of the things about the dying, about the fallow time, is we need rest. We need to rest, but now we're not doing that. Now we're coming back. Yeah. So yeah, just those kinds of things. And on that, now we're ready to talk about what we did for, what we did for Ostara, which is not a lot, but that's a good point. Just taking time. I did do my altar where I bought a new crystal selenite egg and I got a nest that had eggs in it and a Eastery thing and added my granddaughter being the soulful child that she is brought me back three uh, crystal hearts Aww. so those went in my thing and I got a fluorite rabbit green that went on my altar and I had planned to do some spells but I had the same little witchy child <laughs> from Friday night till Sunday and I just wanted to sleep by the time I mm-hmm. picked her up because she will be four next week and Nana was one tired witch mm-hmm. but speaking of hereditary not that we were speaking of it but that child it's when I first witch. bought the display she walked into my room immediately saw that it was new climbed up on my bed grabbed that egg and held it for like an hour Aww. I think I sent you a picture. You did. That's the cutest thing. You can spot anything new. Yeah, so she held on to that. Anyway, because of that, but, you know, some like the last one I went, like, had, we did all the magic spells we did. and all the candles and everything. And this one, I'm like, mm-hmm. I am wiped out. And I think that that's a very good point to bring up to fellow pagans is, you know, we don't have to do yeah. everything all the time. Yeah. You know, I've talked in the past about how I don't actually have a connection with a couple of the sabbats. Yeah. And 
So doing a whole lot, doing a big production with them would be a little bit to me. Yeah. It would feel a little bit like, you know, the person who only goes to church on Christmas and Easter because they feel like some, it's like, I don't want my spirituality because that's what this is, is my spirituality. It's not my religion. It's not something I, it's not a hobby. It's my spirit. And I don't want that to become something I just go through the motions with. And I think because when we first started this, we're in the middle of COVID and we're pretty much on well, not lockdown because we were still in the store. Then. So it kind of gave you something to look forward, everyone. You know, I'm going to do this and get this stuff. And mm-hmm. and now that, you know, I'm traveling more and, and not that the traveling everywhere, let's face it, every time I go to another town, Nancy's looking for the crystal shop. Yes. <laughs> so I went to... Bend. I went to two really cool crystal shops. Bought some books. Go to Portland. I have to hit the bookstore because it's a lot better than the one here in Eugene. Over in Florence. Got myself a fire. I get ring. Got myself another ring. <laughs> so, I mean, oh, come on now. It's not just materialistic things. Those have spirituality mm-hmm. tied to them because... When I looked up, and this is this is a funny story I'll include since um, we're not that long into the, or don't have much left of the podcast. Um, you know, I've never been attached to fire agate. You know me, moonstone, selenite, labradorite. <laughs> and for some reason, the lady was looking in a locked cupboard because who knew fire agates were so expensive? Um, she goes, fire agate. And I was across, it wasn't a big store, but I was probably 15, 20 feet away from her. And I went, Fire agate? Oh, interesting. Like it just, and as soon as she moved away, because I still kind of do COVID boundaries, I walked over there and I went, fire agate. Like it wasn't even like she had it out and I caught my eye. I'm like, oh, when I heard the word fire agate, my, I just went like a bug to the light. And I ended up with a ring. So when I got home, I, um, Looked up some of the properties of a fire racket. <laughs> and one of them is it helps keep energy vampires away. <laughs> you would find it amusing if you know the backstory to me and energy vampires. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So Trey and I were laughing like, <laughs> see if it works. <laughs> oh. Has it worked? I don't Well, maybe. She doesn't come around. It would be an interesting thing. I need a bigger piece. But um, <laughs> I need some little because I don't always wear you know me I don't wear yeah. jewelry unless I can go out so maybe I should stop wearing it all the time. But it wasn't interesting to my reaction because, mm-hmm. like you said, have you ever mentioned me, seen me mention fire agate? No, you're very much the moon and water yeah. things, very much. Yeah. yeah. So I went fire agate. I do love it. And then I got myself a Labradorite ring at the other place to match my necklace. Ooh. Which everybody comments on everywhere I go. Starbucks, Dairy Mart, everybody. What is that? Nice. Anyway, so yeah, so we're just, so what did you, did you, you did work on your altar, right? I clean, I, I, the one thing I do as kind of like habit that I don't put a lot of thought into is every Sabbat, I take the opportunity to scrub down my altar. Yeah. Because it's very much a working altar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It I'm isn't. Like mine. Yeah. It isn't. 
magic. Yeah, yeah, it's a working altar. There's constantly. I hope I blew out that candle before I left, though. No, I did. Okay. Um, yeah. There's constantly something happening, whether it's a spell jar or an oil or yeah. you know uh, something getting charged up on the energy or you know a, can- a spell candle going whatever. There's yeah. almost always something going on that altar, and so every sabbat I make a point to finish any spells that need finishing that can be finished Mm -hmm. safely tuck away the ones that can't do a full scrub and reset it up um and it almost always is set up the same way just because it is because I half of my stuff is still in storage like it's fine um so I did that I scrubbed down my altar gave it a good wash with some lovely new stuff I'm trying out seems to work it's very interesting um and then I (laughs) and then I went and played games you did (laughs) and then I came over here (laughs) we have another side project going on it might be going on and we met around that and we were both tired because life you had a busy Saturday. I had, I had a, a very Saturday. busy Saturday. I had and to people all day Saturday. So, yeah. and so and that's we just together, and we had a good time visiting. You know, your sabbats again for for Nancy and I. This is definitely our spiritual practice. This isn't this isn't something we pay lip service to. Yeah. And so, if it's not right, it's not right, and we're not going to disrespect whatever in the universe remembering that the universe is kind of you know the universe and my the phrase the greater than are kind of the things that we can't necessarily pinpoint or understand or whatever um I did not leave out food and I usually leave out food on a sabbat um but I went to leave out food Saturday night um and was preparing everything the way I normally do and and I heard very loudly who I, someone I am pretty certain was my grandmother, <laughs> go, you know what? Knock it off. And I went, you know what? Wow. You don't know? Fine. I'm not, it's fine. We are, we are good. <laughs> Knock it off. Okay, okay woman. Oh, no, my, man, she was just, they weren't having it, so. Um, when my, we did the spirit board reading with my cousins, um, we connected to my Nana and I asked what I should work on and she said um tea readings because that's something she did do mm-hmm. even though she didn't acknowledge what she was and um i go yeah i probably should learn how to do it the old-fashioned way and not um tea reading for dummies and it went yes very emphatically she's not impressed with my tea cup that has all the <laughs> readings on it and i try i'm busy i might have something for you but i have to check yeah not on me but at my house yeah. i might have something for you but I have to check because I don't remember if I have it. I also had to learn, don't put so many freaking tea leaves in the thing because it was just like, <laughs> so maybe I need to like connect in the old-fashioned way. Anyway, she, yeah, she wasn't impressed with my tea leaves for dummies. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, Nana. Times have changed. We'll see if she's, and the last recording when Kristen was talking about what Nana was downloading to her, mm-hmm. we got a voice. Oh, we did. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. very weird. Yeah. 
Well, you know, it's very cool. I think it's so cool. We're on the multi-dimension edge. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. So that was our episode for this time around. A little bit of Ostara myths and some conversation about, you know, basic spirituality. Next week, we are going to next be... two weeks. Next two weeks. Next time. Next show. <laughs> <laughs> next week, I'll be playing D&D. Um, <laughs> um, next time, we will be giving you our favorite books. Ooh, I got to get on that. It'll be really easy. I'm already done. (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) I'm all ready to work on the episode. Actually, I have two episodes that are anyway. That's a (laughs) that's a business end discussion. But yeah, next next episode we're going to have a a conversation and it's going to be really fun because I'm really curious to see how much crossover because Nancy and I have a we read each other's books like I literally just rated her. bookshelf on Sunday. And so we read, we swap books all the time. And so we've read a lot of the same books. So it's going to be really interesting to see which ones have impacted us, but in which ways. And if there's any crossover, I know there's going to be one. Which ones you keep going back to. Yeah. And I know that we're going to have at least one crossover. And I sent you my list. So you already know. I didn't look at it. So I don't know. I shouldn't have sent you my list, but it was done. So I won't read it. It's just the format. You can mod. Oh, okay. I will make my list first, then I'll read you. Oh, there you go. There you go. Because then you can fill in the the important stuff later. Yep. Perfect. Um, The other thing I think we should do Uh is um, I scheduled a reading with Kristen and my cousin and my cousin's daughter, which I just call my new coven. So I think what one of the shows we should do is after that, have all four of us to talk Ooh. about and then get your impression of him. Yes. Oh, that's a great idea. So that'll be coming up probably in a month. Yeah. Because. Yeah, that'll be. Yeah. A little before mid-April. Anyway, that's our episode. As always, have a magical day and stay safe out there. <laughs>